1: 35, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. I give it back now to the 30. They're down to the
2: 20. the oh, Levine is out on the field. He's going to
1: Four man Alabama rush. Got him.
2: Oh, no, they didn't. Oh
0: my gracious. Yep. how? National Signing Day and a Christmas gift bonanza all in one episode here today. We wanted to keep the offseason content rolling before we get to playoff previews. As we get to bowl games and their recaps on our YouTube channel, we sat down and specifically Trey sat down and thought, what can we do to make this episode unique and today's recording is the uh, brainchild, I guess, of one Mr. Trey Reeves. Welcome into the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmys and the Joes. I'm Mitch Mason, along with Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney. Fellas, Merry Christmas. We're about to dole out some gifts to various programs around the college football landscape. I got to know, is there one present that you specifically are looking for or hoping that you see under the tree this year
2: i'm personally asking for a lot of practical things this year i feel like i went super practical i i want a new desk chair that's something i never thought i would ask for in my mid-20s but here we are and that's (laughs) what i'm really hoping shows up under the christmas tree so if any of my family are listening and need a last minute gift idea just head on over to i don't know i don't even know where they sell desk chairs office depot or (laughs) one of those stores that barely exists anymore and uh, give give them a little support please
1: yeah i personally asked for a red rider bb gun um but (laughs) i was told by my wife and certain others that i may shoot my eye out so uh i'm not gonna listen to them though i'm gonna hope and pray that santa brings me that red rider bb gun
0: Hey listen, uh firearms lumbar support very very important <laughs> here around the holiday season. Yeah, I think um I think I've I've the two things that I mentioned by name. I'm I'm really bad at giving people ideas of what to get me for a birthday or Christmas. Uh, an air fryer or a vacuum cleaner. Definitely need a new oh. vacuum cleaner. Um so I also have gone the super practical side. But oh, if you yeah, get the air
2: fryer way. Mitch, just let me know cuz you can join the air fryer life, my friend, and it
0: is <laughs>
2: it is a sweet, sweet life.
0: I'm I'm hoping to. I'm hoping to join that club. Uh I think it's kind of like a Costco membership. You pay once and then you're just you're in for life. So, yeah. Uh <laughs> would would love to to don the uh the cloak of membership there in the air fryer club. Um we're going to be giving out Christmas gifts to three programs each across the country, but before we get there, we wanted to talk about National Signing Day just a little bit. Now, we promise this is never going to turn into one of those recruiting shows. Uh, that's just not really how we roll. If you want to go, um, you know, kind of obsess about where 18 year olds are deciding to go to school for the next, let's be honest, one to two years before they transfer out, uh, <laughs> go, you'll find a message board. Uh, there are plenty of them out there. But What is important, specifically when it comes to winning national championships, is this recruiting trend, and I guess we're going to see how this data changes over the next five, ten years, where you have to put together composite classes inside the top five statistically to have a chance at winning a national title. So uh, at the end of the first early signing day period, and I believe there's two more days left in this period, and then obviously they'll have the normal national signing day, um, end of January, early February. I forget when it is. Alabama's one, Georgia's two, Texas or Miami is three, depending on where you look. Ohio State uh, is is five, and then, like I said, Texas or Miami, just flip-flop them, three or four. Uh, LSU, six, Oregon, seven. They had a big signing day. Oklahoma, eight, Notre Dame, nine, Tennessee, ten, to round out that count. Talk to me about maybe a team that surprised you or made the most headlines today, because I think you could go with Alabama, who a lot of people proclaim to be dead, and maybe Nick Saban's on his last legs, and then he goes and signs six five-stars in this class. But I know a lot of people have also talked about the Oregons, the, the Texases, the Miamis of the world. As you sat and scrolled through Twitter and saw all of this National Signing Day coverage, was there one team that you felt like you were watching the most? I think it was Oregon
2: for me. Just the massive amount. I think they flipped five, four, five star guys on national signing day. Thinking Austin Novosad from Baylor. Um, they they got a couple other uh, Bowens. I think was the guy they flipped from Notre Dame, right? And
0: he hasn't uh, signed yet, though.
2: Hasn't signed yet. That's true. Yeah, a little dramatic. Yeah. So he he's he's wanting to string it out just a little bit, and that that's fine. But um, there's there's a couple Oregon guys I think that actually haven't signed yet that maybe are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. maybe rethinking things i'm not sure maybe the nike check hasn't cleared just yet but um (laughs) no oregon knocked it out of the park today like hats off to dan lanning and his uh staff up there i think just with all the uncertainty about the future of oregon right like if you zoom out and you think about what conference are they going to play in what um what is their future going to look like is the pac 12 going to stay together with them as the anchor program with an inside shot at the college football playoff every year, or are they going to move to another conference where it might be a little bit more difficult to get kids to zero in on that program, to believe in what they're building. And yeah, probably have some really nice NIL packages there too. Like that's part of the reality that we are going to deal with in recruiting now. And that's okay. Like that's definitely part of the story now. So all that put together is just a, awesome job by Dan Lanning and his staff and they really made waves today
1: yeah no I'm looking at um, Alabama specifically like you're mentioning Mitch top class right now they actually have a higher rated uh, recruiting class than they did last year when they finished second all-time so this will be the second all-time just a hair behind where AM was with that recruiting class last year um, and then the other big name for me really just Miami coming in at number you were saying three or four depending on where you look Miami coming in that high after the season they had, I think, just kind of points towards where we are with sort of the recruiting landscape and new college football. Um, yes, getting the new coach bump. Obviously, this is their first full recruiting class with Crystal Ball, but you know, getting that kind of that kind of bump would have been pretty dramatic in any specific year. But to get it at Miami, at a place where they had a really, I mean, below standards year there. Um, I, I think kind of points towards what NIL and what, you know, sort of the transfer portal options can mean uh, for the new college football. So those are kind of the two big teams that I was looking at, the two that kind of caught my eye. Obviously, you expect Bama to be, you know, close to the top, if not the best team, but to have as good a class as they have. I mean, you said it's six, five stars. They're knocking it out of the park this year. One three star for
0: Alabama and it's their kicker. And the rest are four <laughs> five star prospects. Yeah. Nick Saban continues to play. NCAA 14 with his recruiting classes and just stack early commitments. And then, you know, the his closing speed on signing day, like he signed a, a pair of five-star teammates today, got an outside edge rusher and a middle linebacker, I believe, who play for the same team, both five stars, to commit to Alabama. He flipped Caden Proctor from Iowa yesterday or two days ago, if you're listening to this on the uh, Spotify or YouTube recording um, you know, really, really solid numbers across the board for Nick Saban. And, you know, I, th- I think recruiting's one thing. Putting it together on the field is another, uh, as we've seen with a couple of schools over the last couple of years. Specifically, you know, I think the, the shock to the system that was Texas A&M this year. But uh, Nick Saban's allowed to have a down year where he loses two games. I mean, that's just... That's just the reality of the sport, that football is hard. Winning in the Southeastern Conference is hard. Uh, but there's certainly no doubt that he's reloaded the ship. And whatever whatever rumors there were about Saban being you know, on his last legs, the program starting its decline, I think those might have at least had to have been slowed down here today. The other team that I was watching a lot of was Colorado, uh, just to see what... Prime would do uh, there in Boulder. Listen, Colorado is a historically relevant program. They've won a national championship or shared one back in the Associated Press days. But lately, it's been brutal, and and guys just don't want to go play football there. It's cold, you know. They they get swamped in the Pac-12 South. Um, but now with with Deion Sanders going, he's obviously bringing his baggage, uh, his Louis Vuitton with him from Jackson State. He's flipped mm-hmm. a couple kids like Adam Hopkins, uh, who was an Auburn commit, a wide receiver out of Georgia, and now there's a lot of smoke that Cormani McClain, the top cornerback in the country, who literally just reaffirmed his allegiance to Miami like ten days ago, essentially mocked the media for creating flip rumors. He didn't sign today. Uh, he used his mom to tweet out saying, oh, sorry for the you know miscommunication. We're not signing today." And now he's getting crystal balled over to Colorado. So, you know, prime didn't have a ton of time for this high school recruiting class, but what kind of waves are you expecting Colorado to make after this first cycle is done after we've gone through the late signing period in January, February, whenever that is, are we expecting Colorado to have a pretty decent recruiting class?
2: First of all, we love a good mama getting involved on signing day story. Those, those, Always deliver. Anytime a mom gets involved on signing day, I love it. But look, even if you're one of the most famous coaches in the country, it's going to be difficult for you in this uh, early, uh, early signing day period to really make huge waves. You don't have the time to build the relationships. You don't have the time to set up your recruiting board. You're going up against guys that have been building relationships with these kids at their school for three years now, and you have two weeks. So it's not going to be easy to jump in right away and really make waves. They're going to make their waves in the transfer portal this year, I think. And they might pick up some guys that kind of delayed their signing or dragged their feet a little bit. And they might make some waves in February. I'd be really, really surprised, you know, getting McLean to flip for Miami would be huge. And if it's just that, then yes, like that is a huge smashing success in year zero for Deion Sanders recruiting at Colorado. But I think he's going to make his hay in the transfer portal, maybe a little bit in February, but really this next class, the class of 2024 is where we're going to see him be dangerous.
1: Yeah. And currently, as I sit in the composite, sitting at number 53 with 16 commits and only two, four stars. So like you're saying, Trey, it'd be huge if they can just pull McClellan. Like that'd be massive for them if they could just pull one five-star, right? Um, I'm kind of with you, Trey. I don't think that this is the recruiting cycle where we really see a payoff. You could see, Maybe some action between early signing and you know national signing day, but most of the guys are already signed at this point. I mean, most people, for all intents and purposes, early signing day is national signing day now. Um, there will be a couple big targets left on the board that maybe he could go focus on, and maybe he could go you know make a late push and you know kind of get some flash and some flair and, and you know razzle dazzle some people for lack of a better term. But I, I don't know that he's going to be able to pull that many kids away to go to Colorado right now. But like you were saying, I think the transfer portal is where he can make his hay. And I think it's where he's already started making some big waves. And, you know, he I don't know if it was necessarily that he was already in contact with guys while he was talking about it at Jackson State. Now he's coming over to Colorado and just saying, hey, same thing, but a different location. I, I don't know if that's maybe what he's been doing. I know there's obviously a lot of conversations about people tampering and communicating a rosters. I don't know if that's necessarily about Dion, but there have been a lot of coaches, you know, firing shots back and forth about, you know, who's been making offers to who. So uh, I I do think he makes some waves in the transfer portal. And I think they end up with a much better roster than they have. Now I'm not predicting Colorado to have maybe a top 20, top 30 roster, but I think they will be in a better place to be more competitive next year.
0: Amongst the, News of players going various places, flipping, decommitting, etc. A couple of really interesting quotes from head coaches as well. Very quickly, Jeff Trailer literally tweeting at the NCAA saying, "Hey, where do we report recruiting violations? Power Five programs are trying to poach my players in illegal ways." Which, listen, I mean, I kind of gotta respect the the balls on Jeff Trailer to just make it very public something that we know is. Is going on. And then in the same vein, Matt Rule tweeting what people think was a shot at Miami for maybe some NIL checks not clearing or not showing up. Um, Do y'all like coaches kind of taking shots via Twitter? It seems, I don't know if it's just the world we live in or if it's maybe a little bit of their players rubbing off on them.
2: I go back and forth. I think, you know, if you're a coach that is actually doing it the right way and doesn't have a past of doing the things that you're calling other people out on, then call your shots. If you're a guy like Lane Kiffin, who I know, Mitch, you're going to gift, one of your Christmas gifts is going to go in that direction. (laughs) You don't have the moral ground to stand on, my guy. Like you're talking about all kinds of things that you've literally been caught doing (laughs) before. So I go back and forth. It's a, it's a cutthroat industry. It's, it's something that, Guys are going to try to get a leg up in the best way that they can and whether that's under the table or out in front of everybody and calling other people out, you know, go back and forth, but don't call people out for things that you literally have been caught doing.
1: No, for sure, and I also think it should be some bigger names saying some stuff. I personally loved the Mac Brown conversation about Drake May's. Like, yeah, there were two programs that offered him five million to transfer. I'm not going to say who, but they know who they are, and you know who they are. They're the ones getting all the good players. I was like, yes, more of this, more huge names, more coaches that have won championships, more of those guys calling out the big programs. Uh, I all about it. If this is going to be a part of the game now, if this is going to be a part of college football where you can transfer and you can go behind people's backs and you can roster tamper and everything else, I'm all about coaches going to that level of petty where they're calling each other out publicly. And, you know, if we're going to be dramatic about this, if you're going to try to slink behind and, and not do this in a, in a formal way, Right, and if the NCAA is going to allow it to not be formal, and we're not going to care about violations or you know breaking the rules or you know guidelines like we said on a previous podcast, then yeah, I'm all about coaches doing what they have to do to keep their players and to call people out and to uh, maybe see if they can keep some guys in check. I think it's fun.
0: We we do think Mac Brown was
1: we
2: to definitely talk about Dabo real quick. Because I was I was I was going was...
0: I was going to end with that. But just on the Mac Brown stuff, we definitely think he's talking about Alabama and Georgia, right? I think Alabama, I don't know that it's Georgia. There was
1: one that said it would shock you. To I think he said one of them was someone and the other one is someone that would shock you. I think Pitt's coach actually came out and said, I know the two schools he's talking about and one of them would shock you. So like, that's where I was kind of wondering if that was Dion. Because, you know, saying, hey, Drake May, come play at Colorado. Like that would be shocking if that were to happen, obviously. I don't know that to be true. I don't have any insider information where I'm saying, oh, I know for sure Dion offered Drake May five million dollars. But like if anyone is gonna do it, it kind of feels like Dion would be right up that alley. And so, you know, I, I don't know who that other program is, but I think Alabama's absolutely the the first program that would have done it.
0: Well, for Dion to do that, he'd have to first stop being a narcissist and and dabbling in nepotism because Shadour is <laughs> oh. already transferred to to Colorado. Uh, so, you're totally right. I mean, yeah. Uh, listen, uh, when he told on on when in his press conference when he said, "Here's your here's your QB one," the kid wasn't even in the transfer portal yet. He was not. That was <laughs> I, that was a little that was that interesting. Was um, that was bad. Yeah, but to to wrap this whole thing up, I was going to mention Dabo who of course has been one of the biggest uh enemies of NIL of the transfer portal time and time again. He said that we do not build our team through NIL, we will not build our team through the transfer portal. And then today he comes out and says, "Yes, we do embrace and build on NIL. We build on God's name image, name image and likeness." And I listen, Dabo's a good guy, right? Great morals, strong man of faith and character. What on earth was he talking about?
2: I'm not fully convinced Dabo's a good guy. I think he has a lot of skeletons in his closet that he does a really good job being the aw shucks guy on you know out in front of the camera look it it was a weird thing to say, and all of us are christians we we definitely you know, affirm doing things in the name of Jesus. But goodness, that, that, that was just such a weird, hokey thing to say. And it confirmed to me my thought that one day Dabo will be coaching at Liberty. I don't know when. <laughs> I don't know if, you know, this quarterback, like, snafu situation that he's going through right now at Clemson is going to be his downfall at Clemson. But one day he will be the head coach at Liberty University. You can guarantee it.
1: I was going to say that or Baylor, right? That feels like a kind of a Baylor move to do something like that too. So no, that that was very bizarre. And yeah, obviously not the Christian hater podcast over here. That's not us. But yeah, I I think we could all acknowledge that there's some aspects of, you know, maybe modern Christian culture stuff that we would all cringe at a little bit. And I think Dabo wrapped it up pretty good with the gods in IL. And I'm like, if you have gods in IL over here, I don't know how you're not winning the Natty every year, man.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> A direct, direct blessing down to the Clemson Tigers football. I was going to say. All right, fellas. Well, let's get into the meat of this episode. Uh, we're giving out gifts. We're feeling jolly. It's the Christmas spirit. Oh, one programming note, by the way, as we transition, we will not have an episode on Monday. That's the day after Christmas. If you're keeping score at home, we're going to be celebrating. We don't want to record an episode on Christmas, as I'm sure you can understand. So no episode Monday. We will record a midweek episode. It may be a day late or two. We've got to get back from various trips we're taking. I'm going to be in the deep piney woods uh, on on our normal recording schedule. So anyway, we will have a midweek episode, and it's more than likely going to be the playoff preview as we look towards New Year's Eve and those semifinal games. With that being said, as I mentioned, we're feeling jolly. Each of us has three Christmas presents that we're gifting out to various teams across this great state, uh, well, state of Texas, nation, what have you. Trey, this was your idea. I would love for you to quarterback the gift-giving. Every, every occasion, every gathering has one person who passes out the gifts and kind of leads the whole process, right? You, you've got the trash bag. You've got the scissors. You're, you're just facilitating things. So go ahead and give us the first gift and and feel free to call the shots from here on out.
2: Yeah, and I I enjoy being the Santa at family gatherings. I will say there's one side of my family that when Santa messes up, he has to take a shot. And that gets really, really fun really quickly Um, because obviously the more mess-ups, the more shots, and that just leads to more mess-ups. You can imagine uh, how fun that gets. But I'll kick things off. I'm going to pass the first gift out to... Florida Gators and as they unwrap their lovely wrapped present it's not going to be wrapped very well um, because what they're getting is McDonald's bags filled with cash Um, and if you're saying Trey (laughs) that wasn't Florida a couple years ago that was Tennessee you're absolutely right but listen I I, I'm not going to speak for the Florida fan base here but what I've seen on Twitter is these guys are starting to not be very happy with Billy Napier. I've seen Sunbelt Billy thrown around a lot of times um, since the end of their season. They get blown out in the bowl game. Obviously, there's the viral clips of their players just not trying. Um, They have their first back-to-back losing season. I think we highlighted that on this show in like 30 years or something like that. And recruiting, while it hasn't been terrible, I think they're number 12 in the composite rankings right Mm -hmm. now. Definitely not up to the standards and they're losing guys to the likes of UCF and those guys that they're losing are citing, you know, relationship issues and not connecting with the coaching staff as much as they're connecting with Gus Malzahn and UCF. All that being said, there's a lot of trouble I think that could be brewing below the surface in Gainesville. And I think the fan base might be willing to give him one more year. I think he kind of had his mulligan year one this year. Next year is going to be a very, very interesting year for Billy Napier. I think he has to win, and he has to win in an SEC East that all of a sudden has a resurgent Tennessee that's turning into a power program before our eyes. They have a South Carolina program that's a couple years ahead in the rebuild and looking really, really dangerous. They've got you know their cross-division rival, LSU, who went to the SEC championship game this year. Things are not easy. They've got you know, Florida State on the schedule as well, who's building things back under Mike Norvell. So my gift is centered around the idea that maybe if they're ready to cut bait a little bit early and they don't want to pay a buyout, <laughs> they can pull what Tennessee did with Jeremy Pruitt and maybe, you know, slip some McDonald's bags full of cash to some recruits, blow it way out of proportion, and, you know, move on to the next guy.
0: Sir, I explain the blow it way out of proportion deal because what Jeremy Pruitt did was hilariously bad, and I think he got <laughs> everything that was coming to him. So first... My first comment, I need you to explain that, because if Billy is passing out McDonald's Bojangles Chick-fil-A bags full of cash, I think that's absolutely grounds for termination immediately without further notice.
2: Yeah, it was grounds for termination because someone was ready for him to be done and they exposed what he was doing. Every single school at that time was doing something similar, whether it was a handshake or, you know, agreements it was nil before nil was legal and the reason that jeremy pruitt got kicked out for doing what probably every power five coach does that is serious about winning is the boosters got tired of seeing him lose so many football games and they didn't want to pay a buyout like i firmly believe that. <laughs> the so, boosters got yeah.
0: tired of their cash I going mean, to five and seven seasons is what i'm exactly. hearing
2: exactly yeah yeah and so you know if florida is ready maybe a little prematurely i'm not going to say that Listen, this isn't me saying that the Napier experiment is a f- complete and utter failure. I think he's got he, he has the possibility to turn around in Gainesville. They're going to have talent. He's got to figure out the quarterback situation. But just just in case, like I'm gifting it to the Florida fans. It's kind of like a panic button that they can push whenever they feel like they need
1: to. What, Trey, what do you mean? Figure out the quarterback situation. They picked up Graham Mertz. It's awesome. Oh, oh yeah, right. ab- oh. absolutely.
2: Yeah, I, it's I really a great
1: situation in. for them. Come on. Grammars is awesome. He's prolific. I really One. hope Rashada
2: is ready for them
0: to go. <laughs> <eat it. laughs> Goodness Dude, will t- they need it. I tell you what, Florida fans were sweating until Jaden Rashada signed with them officially. Um That was an it, it was an uncomfortable signing day. They lost an edge rusher, a four star to UCF uh yeah they were wearing it early on i think the day like you said ended decently well for them 12th in the country but uh and in, in just just before we move on that's absolutely a parody we're not advocating for anyone at florida to be giving out unmarked bags of cash in order to get the head man fired just legal disclaimer so i don't have an email <laughs> waiting in my inbox on tuesday morning um but uh yeah there's a model there There, there's a model and they can follow that model and i'm giving them the opportunity to follow that model i hey listen fair fair enough i would i would take i would take an unmarked bag of of benjamin's for christmas so as far as the christmas present goes that might be the best of all time and i would keep my mouth shut absolutely (laughs) Uh, all right trey where are we going next
2: um mitch you want to hand out your first present
0: I, I would. Um, let's go up to the great state of Nebraska where corn is abundant and, gentlemen, hope may also be in quite a bit of abundance. Matt Rule has been hired as the head coach up there. Go Big Red is waving the flag. They're hanging the banner. They're excited to compete in the Big Ten West, and I would like to encourage that because I know that Nebraska fans have, have just had a miserable last several years, it's not been fun. The Scott Frost experiment was anything but successful. And so for Nebraska, I got in the kitchen and uh, I'm happy to report that a fresh batch of met expectations warm from the oven are on their way. Very a la Tiff's Treats. Uh, I think you can expect to see the, the little 3Tech branded car pulling up outside uh, Lincoln Memorial just any minute from now. I would love if I could, if I could just give Nebraska something, I would love to give them an eight and four season. I would love to give them a bowl game because I think that Matt rule is the right coach to take over, to build a program. That's just does. They don't know where to start right now. Right? I mean, every year under Scott Frost, the recruiting was fine. The expectations were lofty. Well, I say lofty. They were just to win football games. It's not like you're playing in the SEC West up there in the Big Ten. And so every single year, they found hilarious ways to disappoint, to go three and nine, to underachieve in just truly fantastic manners. And so if I'm gift-wrapping something for Nebraska, it's just a healthy season. It's, It's a winning record. It's a bowl game for the first time in I don't know how many years. And it's, it's a lot of hope that Matt Rule can actually build something spectacular there up in Nebraska. Now, as we've talked about, Matt Rule is not a plug-and-play, fix-it kind of guy. He takes time. This first year, who knows? I mean, it may honestly be another 3-9, and 4-8 and eight type of campaign because Rule tears things down to the studs. He's got to find a quarterback. He's got to build those lines up again. Typically, they have good running back and and cornerback play, secondary play, but clearly that's not winning your football game. So for me, if I can give just expectations that will be met to that program that will bring joy to Big Red Faithful uh, around this holiday time of season, I think that's the nicest thing that I could do for them. I'm hopeful for Nebraska. I don't know about 2023, but 2024 and on, I think it starts to get fun.
2: Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think twenty twenty four is the year that they can circle on their calendars, returning to the postseason in all likelihood. And yeah, just being respectable. You're right. The expectations are not national championships in Lincoln right now. Maybe they were twenty years ago, but right now it's just to get back to the postseason and not be a laughing stock. And Matt Rule is certainly gonna do that. Like you said, he might tear it down in year one. But I think you're gonna see glimpses of competency next year and just an increase in, you know, they're not going to, I don't want to say they won't lose to Northwestern, but they're not going to lose to Northwestern in the way that they did, right? <laughs> Where it's, uh, yeah, it's just
0: completely on the coaching. So, hey, they yeah, won't I'm lose. right there with you. They won't lose to Northwestern in Ireland. We know that. That's true. Yeah. It will be That's at least true. a little bit different. Positives already.
2: <laughs> All right, Garrett, you want to go on to your first present?
1: I will give out my first present. And I'm going to start in Fort Worth, actually. So uh, first off, I still have to bring Sonny Dykes' Ted Lasso Award. Uh, Coach, just let me get back to you at some point. Um, I, I've been waiting for you. I've been filling up your inbox. Whenever you want me to swing by and bring you that, we can totally do that. Um, TCU, I'm bringing you a, a big box. And inside it, all it is is a little bit of national RESPCT. Okay, if you're familiar with the office, that's, that's respect. Okay, find out what it means to me. Look, TCU, we knew they were good this year, right? We 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 knew they were pretty solid. We we you know maybe preseason underestimated them. Obviously, I don't think anyone saw them coming out of nowhere to, to make the playoff. But, you know, as the year started to roll along, we decided to respect TCU. We decided to say, you know what, you've won some big games, you you know, beat the crap out of Oklahoma good for you guys right and we put some respect on them and they had to go through everybody in the national media just trashing on these guys right just saying ah well they're not that who do they even play oh kansas state iowa state do those even sound like good teams i don't know i'm looking at you Stephen a and and you know just a lot of people berating them all year long saying they didn't belong in the playoff well look at how good USC was well Tennessee with one loss well even with two losses maybe Tennessee what about a two loss LSU if they don't lose to Georgia too bad and they just didn't get any RESPCT all year long so that's what I'm getting TC is a little national RESPCT guys did you know that they have a top 20 recruiting class this year they are crushing it after this year right Last year, they had the 46th best recruiting class. That's nothing to write home about. Not a bad class by any means, but nothing to write home about. Nothing you would expect to make the playoff with. They've got some big transfers. They're kind of a transfer destination this year with all the all the you know hot coaching and the the big results from this year. As long as Sonny Dykes is at the helm, you got to put some PCT on this team. So that's what I'm getting TCU for Christmas. Hopefully next year, maybe people will put a little bit of that on you guys. You know, with Texas and Oklahoma leaving your conference and you know, all, all these other teams sort of figuring out where to be right now. TCU is probably in the best position in that whole conference right now to succeed long-term. And I think they need some of that respect to be considered a national and a yearly competitor and, and an actual contender for
2: a playoff spot. Yeah. They're crushing it on the recruiting trail, crushing it in the transfer portal. And yeah, they're becoming a destination for guys that want to come and compete and compete at the highest level. And yeah. With them and if nobody talk, else we, wants
1: to respect them, I will.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we are a pro TCU podcast at this point. Oh yeah, we definitely. We're not on the bandwagon preseason.
1: No, but nobody got, was. Let's be real.
2: I mean, I think I can speak for Mitch when I say, like, when we saw them with our own eyes at SMU this year, we kind of looked at each other and said, "Yeah, that's that's a really good football team mm-hmm. that just picked apart a team that we thought was going to be pretty good in SMU." So,
0: yeah, we're we're all on board. Yeah, rip, rip the ponies and their claim to the iron skillet. That <laughs> that game, I I try and forget that happened in the fashion that it did. Um, yeah, TCU under Sonny Dykes, they've got a vibe going right now, and their branding has their social media team has taken a step forward. And listen, in in today's yep, day and age, when your social media account is popping, you've got you know fun uniforms. It's kind of the Oregon model, right? Like. You get a little yeah. bit of you get a little bit of juice down there in the fort and and folks want to come play for you and yeah they've done an excellent job recruiting uh, got to watch one of their their offensive line prospects all year long shout out Benjamin Woodfield your state championship ring my guy um, they've got some some absolute dudes going to Fort Worth and I think I especially with the new look big 12 I mean they should be in position to run this conference for the next five seven years at least right?
1: Yeah, no, I will say while I did get them some respect, I considered buying them a one year subscription for Adobe so they could make a slightly better edit on that Psycho Toad. But there is something a little bit that I like that's, you know, it's kind of scuffed. It's kind of weird. So I kind of like it. But, you know, if they wanted maybe some a little bit of better Photoshop, a little bit better, you know, video editing or your picture editing and move away from the Psycho Toad or not move away, but maybe just improve it a little bit. I give them that
2: option, too. But I decided on respect at the last minute oh no dude don't mess with the hypno toad it is perfect in every way it does not need to be not need to be messed with in my opinion um yeah we can let's snake draft these guys go ahead and give us another gift
1: all right well my my second gift is heading up to utah okay and for the utah utes i am getting them a non-brand specific coffee maker and a yearly subscription of coffee of their choice now if this was BYU, I may not be able to give them coffee, but because it's Utah, I think it's going to fly. I'm not 100% sure on the rules there, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with that, at least for now. Now, I know what you're wondering. Why would I get Utah coffee? Yes, it's cold. Coffee's a nice warm beverage, right? That's nice. That's not what I'm thinking, okay? You know, if, if Utah is anything like me, you have a little bit of a hard time getting up in the morning, right? At the beginning of your day or schedule, you have a hard time maybe waking up, right? And, and I think we saw that this year with Florida. This Florida team, this pretty bad Florida team that we're considering giving bags of cash so they can move on from their coach. This Florida team beat Utah, who won the Pac-12 how could that happen? My guess is that they were just a little bit sleepy. And if they had waken up themselves with a little bit of coffee, and you know, maybe had a little sip out of that coffee maker, they could have come out there ready to go. And obviously, the next week, they showed that they were better. And they rolled along for a little bit. But then they hit that midday snag, you know, that that snag that we're all familiar with, where, you know, you're, oh, man, I'm starting to kind of Sulk over a little bit. I'm pretty tired. I can't quite get through the end of my workday. And they probably could have used a little pick me up cup of coffee there as well. So I'm getting them a coffee maker in hopes that maybe next year and maybe for years to come, they'll be able to actually get through a full schedule awake and alert and can maybe actually play to their best of their abilities and not look like they're just tired and no-showing to some random games. This seems to be a problem with Utah. Trey pointed that out at the beginning of the season, that they do seem to just fall asleep at times and maybe not participate in their games. So maybe a coffee maker and a little bit of caffeine will help wake
2: them up for next year. I like it. I I think that's a really good gift for Utah. I I pulled up their past schedules real quick. I'm not going to count the COVID year, but since 2019 – they have lost four games in September and in October, November and December combined, they've also lost four games since 2019. So it's not a problem of finishing strong. They definitely know how to finish season strong, but they just always seem to get got by a team that shouldn't
0: get them early in the season. Maybe a little caffeine will help them out. Yeah. I, I will say you're cutting it very close on, on some, some potential do's and don'ts in a, uh, a, a a sect uh a religion that's very popular in that part of the country. So hey, uh, I, I wasn't 100% sure if they could send, use coffee. Just send the receipt. I'll I'll say that. <laughs> we, we kept the gift receipt.
1: We kept the tag on the box. We're, we're just going to make sure, but it, it seems like a good idea, you know, maybe they should try coffee anyways. Maybe that's really their big issue is they, I mean, yeah. Can they take like pre-workout or something like that where there's a little yeah, caffeine kick
2: and an alternative like tea or I know so does the no go I
1: actually. think it's more just like a brewed caffeinated thing. I, I'm not hundred percent sure. Right in.
0: It. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, right in. <laughs> someone, someone educate us. Um uh, yeah, anyway. Uh great, great gift. I, I would love to see Utah. Well, I tell you what, if, if Utah can get out of September 3 0, oh my gosh. I mean, they, they might go on a run. They're a team that gets yeah hot very, very quickly. That might be the success to Utah getting past the Rose Bowl, right, into a college football playoff. I guess I guess we'll wait and see. Florida at
2: home, at Baylor, and Weber State at home is their non-conference slate next year in September. Just Should out be Florida able to go Baylor, that's 3-0. A tough, that's a tough... Should. Should, yes. I think, yeah, they should. Maybe a cup
0: of coffee.
2: <laughs> All right, Mitch, hit us with your next gift.
0: All right, so we've given Nebraska a fresh batch of met expectations. We're, we're going a different direction here. Uh, and, and Trey, as you alluded to, we are going down south. Uh, we are going to Oxford, where I am going to hand deliver, potentially, a healthy dose of common sense to one Mr. Lane Train Kiffin. I have completely turned on the Lane train. I previously didn't really have an opinion of him other than thinking okay, he's not maybe the the best coach for a program. He's obviously embroiled in controversy whether it's at TCU or USC. Very dramatic character, but whatever, man. I mean, he's he's a personality, right? Until what? The last 2 years, he's just started berating other players. And if you're not on his team, he will call you out, he will you know, do things that are just very unprofessional, swearing at players, you know, accusing opponents of of doing things that he himself encourages. Just go look up Lane Kiffin injury timeout on YouTube. You'll see what I'm <laughs> talking about. Um, you know, the guy's a little bit of a walking hypocrisy right now. Specifically, what made me think of this today, he lost a four-star one of his two high school quarterback commit last night he flipped out of Ole Miss over to Texas A&M Kiffin has an issue with Texas A&M he he was tweeting out Morse code uh implying that A&M is is you know doing things underhanded has you know no proof or doesn't want to open up his own checkbook obviously but you know it is what it is Lane talks a big game can't always back it up on the field so for Mister Kiffin, uh, just to save himself, and maybe part of this is, uh, you know, handing the the Twitter password over to a more responsible adult in the room. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we put some, you know, a, a screen time on his phone. I I can look into that as a follow up gift. But I just like Lane to to kind of check himself before he wrecks himself. Um, you know, when you're when you're tweeting at a seventeen year old commit on basically saying, hey, this guy, I'm not sad we're losing him. He's not, not as good as he thinks he is. He's not even a quarterback, even though that's the position that he's played for four years and has won multiple state championships. And, oh, by the way, he's Mr. Tennessee when it comes to quarterback. Um, you know, that's, that's, a little, that's a little pathetic to me. So, you know, I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to get on a soapbox here. But for Lane Kiffin, I really think we need to look in the mirror a little bit here and a dose of common sense down in Oxford – might go a long way. Yeah, I was going to say maybe what you need to get him is like a
1: a Twitter password check or, you know, just something else like that. Because is he one of the like, and I don't want to be dramatic here, but is he like a top three, top five, like least mature public figure on Twitter? Because I can't think one of the things that we know just kind of inherently as, you know, younger guys using the Internet is you don't tweet at Crutes. You just you don't You you don't especially on commitment day. Like that's their day that they can celebrate with their family and they can, you know, celebrate this achievement that they've made, you know, working at their craft for several years through high school and finally getting to sign with the program. And for any of these programs, it's a big deal. It doesn't matter if it's a big school, small school. Like if you're signing D1, that's a huge deal. And so, you know, that's, that's a big achievement for them. And for a coach to go make it about himself and to like retweet stuff from that guy from months ago and you know, going and it, it's just a little tacky. And this isn't his only violation. We wouldn't be saying it if it was just a weird burst. You know, out I don't know where. Like this is kind of something that he does. And so uh, I'm not saying that he's the worst Twitter user. That's maybe a public figure. You know, and I'm not counting bots and whatever else. But I mean, as far as public figures go, he's not the worst. But he's got to be up there, right? Like he's he's pretty bad on Twitter.
2: Yeah, Lane Lane is all about Lane, and I don't think mm-hmm. that he necessarily cares about anybody else and what anybody else thinks and that clearly comes out in what he tweets he tweets he's like if your average message board poster got a head coaching job like he he just has no filter he doesn't control he doesn't conduct himself in any professional manner and I'm a firm believer that it cost his team's games on the field this year that close to the schedule was just inexcusable and if I was an Ole Miss fan I'd be pretty ticked off about how much my coach was, time my coach is spending on Twitter when he's getting out-coached down the stretch in the season.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think for Lane, if he truly is going to bring Ole Miss into a real spot where they can contend for the West, right, and they're not getting blown out on the road in November, um, a lot of that may may have to start with the top. And, you know, he's a lot of sizzle... Not enough steak. I think that's the main thing that we've seen throughout his coaching career. And so, I don't know. Maybe maybe a little less time on, on Twitter. Maybe a little less time telling people to to come to the SIP. And then when they don't come to the SIP, um, throwing them under the bus and, you just know, don't belittling act like
2: them. A child. Don't act like a teenager well, that didn't get what He they
0: does want.
1: fine. Like, he does just fine with his rosters. His rosters are fine considering that Ole Miss isn't a particularly well funded school. I mean, that's a complaint that he's had, obviously publicly, is that they don't have great funding for facilities, and like their stadium, I think is pretty behind. In my opinion, the stadium's behind, and so like he's made these complaints publicly, and he's complained about, yeah, he wants more funding, he wants a better situation. It's kind of why I thought he was going to bump to Auburn, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, I, I get it. He might want to complain about some stuff, but just like it, he was a top transfer destination last year. He has a really good roster. He has two of the best running backs on his roster. One of them is a freshman. Like you're going to be fine, man. You didn't get your quarter. You didn't get one of your quarterbacks. One, yeah, right. In this case, or or you know, sometimes you know, there's a team that's going to have some injuries in a game, and you're going to complain about it, even though you're the guy who, you whatever. We know I'm not going to jump on that soapbox either, Mitch. I'm I just kind (laughs) of don't get it. Very He he does just fine.
0: Yeah, and listen, we're not an anti-Ole Miss podcast. I think we are just. Yeah, know, love the Rebs. No problem there. Yeah, we we see, um, you know, someone that the rest of the country doesn't seem to to jump on when when they act like a child. But anyway, it it is what it is. But I'll moving say one on more next thing game. about
2: Lane. Yeah, it's very weird that he very clearly runs a Twitter account for his dog, and has yes. conversations with yeah. himself. As That's his probably dog. yeah. Yeah, it's very, very strange.
0: I love Juice. Juice is a cute pup. But yeah, it's it's very clear that Lane runs that Twitter account. I agree.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, I will bring it home with my final two gifts. And I'm going to start. I'm going to start locally. I'm going to go down the Brazos and I'm going to go to Baylor. And I went back and forth on what I should give Baylor. I thought about maybe maybe we need to kickstart a Chip and Joe Mag NIL Magnolia uh, NIL Collective. But what I'm going to actually go with is a huddle subscription, and I, that sounds very demeaning to Dave Aranda and his staff. But I'm just very, very concerned about the situation down here in Waco. We we've created a problem, and I've been on this soapbox, I've been beating this drum all season long, where we've created a situation where we just don't have offensive skill talent, and now our quarterback situation is uh a little bit shaky we we ran off Gary Bohannon, we uh went all in on Blake Shapin, who's a fine quarterback, but just wasn't ready to lead the team this year in my opinion and now we lose Austin Novasad. We really don't have a lot in the tank to come help out that offense. I don't know am i am I out of bounds here to be like a little bit concerned about Baylor's future? I think Dave Rand is a good coach, but we have seen a lot of coaches have a one really really good year and then kind of fall off after that
1: yeah I don't think you're out of bounds on that at all I mean they, they had some good times obviously and I think Aranda's a great coach but yeah they just you need players and, and with as good as TCU was this year they're going to start getting some players Texas is going to you know keep recruiting well a and going to keep getting guys it, it's it's kind of tough for for Baylor right now to to get what they need and you know, I'm not saying that they're a bad team. I'm not saying they're a bad program, but they're gonna they're gonna need to increase the skill talent on that side of the ball. So, you know, I I totally agree with you, Trey. I think that, that maybe a huddle subscription so they can find some better players, or you know, maybe get some guys locally, or just scoot down to Austin and find a couple guys at a you know Westlake or something like that. I just I, I they got to find somebody to come play skill position for them.
2: And it's not like a difficult thing to do in Texas. You know, like it's—I don't know. Like it, it, there's so many offensive, offensive skill players grow on trees in the Lone Star State. So that, like, they can find the guys, and they just gotta, they just gotta find the right ones for their system and commit to a system that's gonna put them in the position to make plays.
0: In my opinion, I just don't know that Baylor's done that over the last couple of years. Well, and they need to figure out if Blake Shapin's the guy going forward, right? Uh, yeah, you you obviously lose kind of your. Your backup plan, the healthy competition that you had coming in behind him in, in Novosad, who who flips at the eleventh hour over to Oregon. Um, you do get Ketron Jackson, which is exciting out of the transfer portal—a yeah. very speedy wide receiver um, from Arkansas. So I'm excited to see what goes on there. But yeah, I, I think um, I, I think I can speak for people around the Baylor program, fans, alumni, etc. Uh, there there are some. Um, some hopes that the development continues to take steps forward to see Baylor transform. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with the return of a high-powered offense. I know that was, that's been the key to their success. Solid defensive play as well ha- has been big, but specifically an explosive offense where points are not hard to come by, that wasn't as reliable this season. And so I, I do think that's one of the biggest question marks for the Baylor Bears going into 2023. Well,
1: and it's hard to evaluate quarterbacks when you don't have some of those skill guys, right? Where the skill guys aren't maybe at that level where they can get separation against talented corners and, you know, make big plays down the field. I'm I'm not saying that their guys aren't talented at all. I'm just saying maybe, you know, a guy like Keetron Jackson just mentioned, getting a little separation, give him some deep balls, we can maybe see what Shapin can do and evaluate him a little bit better. You know, If we're Baylor and we're saying, hey, is this guy our quarterback? I also feel like they probably need to go portal for a quarterback somewhere just to get a little bit more competition in their room. But we'll we'll see what they end up doing. All
2: right, I'm going to bring it home with my last gift. And listen, I love this conference as much as the next guy, but I'm going to gift the entire Conference USA a digital picture frame. And... Aww. I feel like you give these to people that, you know, are not necessarily going to go out and make new memories, maybe. Like, they just want <laughs> to see what other people are doing, and that's where Conference USA is kind of at. You know, we we've talked about this on the show before, but our friends over at Conference USA are... I think they're done making lasting memories that impact the college football landscape. They're losing, you know, their biggest brands. They're using the, losing probably their most exciting up and coming team in UTSA. They're losing all kinds of other brands, Rice, North Texas, Charlotte, and they're replacing them with the likes of, you know, Sam Houston state, Jacksonville state Liberty, I think is a really nice pickup for them. Um, and I, I think it's good for Liberty. It's mutually good for Liberty to be in a conference and not independent anymore. But goodness, guys. I think gone are the days. They they were already kind of on life support, but being a 10 team conference with not a lot of like anchor brands or reasons to tune in. I don't know. They they they're trying to do the Maxion thing where I think they're going to take over they Tuesday are. night and I think that's a great move for them. Yeah, uh, to try to move into a spot where they're the only game in town, but yeah, I don't know. Is is there any reason for optimism moving forward for Conference USA?
0: No, the, the last place that I saw one of those digital picture frames was in a retirement home. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I think, uh, I think it might be time to put conference USA out to pasture a little bit. Um, you know, play the hits, right? That's why you're getting them this, uh, this digital frame. They've, they've got some memories to look back on. I think the triangle of toughness most recently is, you know, just, just a really big, big achievement for them. um, Yeah, dude, it's been it's been wild. It it gets even wilder once you go outside of football. When you go to the other sports, baseball, basketball, you know, they're plugging other schools in just out of nowhere, like Dallas Baptist University, for instance, is joining for baseball only because that's the only sport that they play Division One. That's a great pickup for Conference USA Baseball, but it doesn't help them in the rest of their conference. Like that's a school that doesn't play football. Their basketball team is D2, etc. So yeah, man, I ooh, as as someone who has experience in in those weekly meetings uh for a conference and you know understanding okay like when conferences go through realignments like I I'll never forget a conference realignment meeting that that I was a part of and the direction that they went like all of us had our jaws on the floor and our eyebrows up against the ceiling like we just couldn't believe that was the solution. So <laughs> Anyway, I I know it's not an easy fix, and like you said, they're they're really scrambling. The thing about Sam Houston State, Sam might not be leaving the WAC now that the yeah. WAC and ASUN are are trying to form this football only conference to compete in Division One. Like I don't even know that the Bearcats are locked to join this conference USA. So anyway, well, all and that's-
2: uh, Kennesaw State and uh, I believe Jacksonville State could be part of that ASUN WAC merger yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and the big, you know, kind of elephant in the room there is the TV money, because that's really where conferences make their money. And that's where you can stay alive is if you have a good TV deal. It's a smart move to try to get on Tuesday night. I just don't know that there's enough people watching on Tuesday night that are going to want to watch, you know, Conference USA football and want to stay, you know, in touch with that if it's not for some bigger brands or some, you know, interesting storylines, talented players, like something like that. And, you know, I think they're going to struggle a little bit to get that going. And if they can't get that going quick, I think the money's going to dry up pretty quick. And you know, that, that digital picture frame might be all that's left for them. So rough days for conference USA.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The best days are behind them. It is a solid baseball conference. So I will say it's a really fun baseball conference to follow. And we'll always have that. All right. We are going back to Mitch
0: for one more gift. Yeah. So, Back on the positive side here, and I'm really excited about this one team that I'm going to gift to. They have quickly become one of my favorite teams to watch. And Trey, I know you were big on them in the preseason. You gave them the most love out of anyone in our previews. Um, I've rooted for them since I read the athletic article leading up to our preview. That would be one Oregon State Beavers program. And for Oregon State, you just had your third 10-win ten, ten season in program history. You blew out the Florida Gators 30-3 to in the Las Vegas Bowl. I would like to crack open an ice-cold 12-pack of momentum with Jonathan Smith and the Beavers program. You talk about on-field success. Off the field, one of the biggest fun facts of this last offseason was that Oregon State was the only Power 5 team since 2018 to not have a four-star recruit commit to them out of high school. They've had some transfers. They had had junior college guys come, but not a high school four-star until this year. Following a 10-win season, they got two of them, Aiden Chilies, who's a quarterback from Downey, California, and then they got, uh, I think his name is Kelsey Howard, an edge rusher from Spring Valley, Las Vegas. Both of them did sign. Both of them are top 300 players. So we are headed in the right direction in Corvallis. The Beavers are are cranking the chainsaws. It's a lot of fun. I want to see them capitalize on this momentum. I want to see them push the Oregon's, the USC's, heck the Utah's. Let's see them really challenge for a PAC 12 title game uh, where they can be maybe that second team. It was a legitimate possibility this year. Had they won one more game? Uh, And I don't see why not, you know, Oregon State's never going to be that team that just recruits the lights out and and develops NFL talent left, right, and center. And that's okay. I, I think you can be relevant in the Pac-12 and get to a Pac-12 championship game every now and again by doing exactly what Jonathan Smith is doing. So I would love to see them continue to capitalize on that. And for that reason, like I said, I mean, you know, I might be in a little little stingy here, just bringing the 12 pack of ice cold momentum. Maybe it should have been the 24 pack to celebrate. (laughs) Maybe, maybe it should have been, um, you know what? And if, if, if I get an invite, you know what, I might go ahead and change that. I might, I might change that to the, to the family pack, um, of, of ice cold momentum. So anyway, hats off to Jonathan Jonathan Smith and what they're doing up there in Corvallis. Always been a, a fun school to watch, uh, on the baseball field, a national champion, Now it looks like football might become nationally relevant, a team that's in the top 25 just about every single year.
2: Yeah, and they've got a lot of pieces. Like you said, they're not going to necessarily recruit, but they're investing in the program. They've got that stadium renovation that's finally going to be complete this year, and they're going to get to play in front of a full crowd at a brand-new, awesome stadium. And Jonathan Smith is a guy that really wants to be here. I don't think he's going to leave for just any old job. You know, and that's been a, something that Oregon State struggled with in the past as well. So they've got a lot of pieces. I'm really excited for the Beavers. future.
1: Yeah, and they're just, I mean, smashing up Florida to finish up your season isn't too bad either. So, yeah, the 12 pack momentum, that may not be enough, Mitch. We might need a little bit more momentum there. All right, Garrett, bring us on home. All right, so. My last Christmas gift, our last Christmas gift of this podcast is going up to Michigan. And for this one, I really went outside the box here. So, you know, those big signs that they have at high school football games where they they hold them out on the field and there's like a message facing out towards the crowd and the team runs out and the cheerleaders are holding up and all that. So for Michigan, I'm dropping off a thousand count of those. OK, now I know what you're wait. Michigan's run on is it's awesome. They jump up, they hit the thing. What's wrong with Michigan's runout? Well, it's not for Michigan on the field because nothing that they've done on the field the last couple of years is a problem, right? Everything that they've had around their games, around the field performance, everything's been great. But apparently some of these high school recruits need to figure that out too. And so what the, what the signs are going to say is something like, Michigan Wolverines, we won the Big Ten back-to-back years. Or Michigan Wolverines, Ohio State hasn't beaten us since before COVID was a thing. Or like... Michigan Wolverines, we went to the playoffs back-to-back years or something like that because apparently these high school recruits haven't figured it out. Last year, Michigan had the ninth best recruiting class after the season they had. And I get it. Sometimes the season that you're having right now isn't going to you know, have those immediate effects, right? You're not going to see that immediately. There are guys that it's a little later in the recruiting process, so you're not going to be able to make that impact. I would have expected them to be a, a top 10 class at a minimum this year. If not, maybe a top five class coming off that momentum. Plus you get to have, you know, again, the, the undefeated season, beating Ohio state again. Like I would think that they would have finished really strong. They ended up at 17 this year. That's where the recruiting class is currently standing. That's a touch before TCU and just a couple spots behind teams like South Carolina, Texas, A&M, Florida, uh, Oklahoma, And then Miami and Texas obviously finishing up in the top five. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what more recruits want to see. They're a big school, a big brand, pretty clear shot at the playoff. They've made it two years in a row. So these big signs, they're not going to be facing out towards the crowd. We're going to turn them around and just face them right at the players. So as they're running onto the field, they can go, "Huh, I guess Michigan's pretty good, and then go play some football. And maybe, just maybe, some of those five-star recruits you know, they'll go out there and they'll remember Michigan's good and, and start showing up. I don't think Michigan currently has a five star committed in this class. They have four nine stars, and that's it. That's a travesty for a team that is back to back playoff teams, beat Ohio State twice. I- I'm just saying, I'm not here to go, you know, super pro homer on the Michigan side, but this is a really, really like competent program who's accomplished a lot over the last couple of years. And I don't understand how on earth they're not recruiting better. And, and so for me, it's the thousand count of signs. The recruiting team can take them out to five star, you know, talented players and, and, you know, put them out there, have the cheerleaders hold that one up. And maybe just maybe those players will start signing with Michigan.
0: Wait, how many? What did you say Four nine stars? Did you mean four four stars? Nine, four stars, nine, nine four, four. stars. OK, Man, got, say
1: backwards. Got.
2: They got four nine stars out there. I four nine
1: stars. Yeah, no, it's incredible. No, Tom Brady. Yeah, um, they recruited the eighty five. He's coming back. Yeah, no, yeah, no, it's it's four nine stars. I said it backwards, but yeah, Does anyways. Michigan no, they, lack
2: a little like sizzle or flair in recruiting. I, I don't know what else
1: you need besides a massive stadium. I mean, that, isn't it one of the biggest capacity stadiums in the country? I
2: think it's the the fans show yeah, up. Maybe one of the. It's one of the biggest non-racing stadiums in the world.
1: Yeah, it's it's I mean, huge capacity. I got to see it. It's all sunken into the ground. So it doesn't look maybe necessarily impressive from the street. But when I was there, I got to go up to the gates and peek down inside it. And it it is a spectacle. It is impressive. And so I I mean, what else do you need? It's a massive stadium. The fans are behind you. The fans always show up to games. It's loads of the winningest program in football history. You've got a coach that's locked in. He's clearly developing players. They They go to the NFL.
2: What else do you need? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like it, It's a really interesting case study, and they have a lot of regional rivals that are recruiting better for whatever reason, and mm-hmm. they're always going to have to deal with the Alabamas, the Georgias, and the power programs from the south of the world coming up and cherry-picking guys from Michigan that they want. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, I, I, man. Penn like, State I, I, has I, a higher-rated class than them this year. Yeah, yeah. Like it, It's just a really weird.
0: I, I'm, I wonder if Jim Harbaugh, at least thinking about going to the NFL the last couple of years, if that is still some sort of hangover. If guys are wondering, all right, will he will he be there? If I commit, will he be there the full three, four, five years, however long that I'm in Ann Arbor? But you're right. I mean, there's no reason now that they're beating Ohio State now that they're winning Big Ten titles. A couple of years ago, you could knock Michigan for saying, look, you you can't beat your own rivals. You can't beat Ohio State. You can't beat Michigan State. You struggle with Penn State. Minnesota's not even necessarily a guarantee, right? But now now that you have made those basically guarantees and Ohio State's going to punch back eventually, is it next year? Who knows? They're going to have to replace CJ Stroud. This was the best team that Ohio State had, and they couldn't get it done. They got blown out at home against Michigan. Now, maybe... Maybe if Ohio State takes care of business in the semifinal, we get to see a repeat of it. We'll see. That would be uh, fun. But, you know, traditional wisdom would say that the next time you see those two teams meet on the field is next, next November. Uh, and so I do wonder if now Michigan has flipped that script. They have that momentum. And you would think that it would translate into better recruiting, and yet it hasn't. Well, in
1: terms of script, you have one of the best defenses the last couple of years. It's been one of the better scoring defenses. It's you know consistently producing well. But if you just want to talk about this year's storylines, you have a really talented freshman quarterback who's coming on strong towards the end of the year. Had some pretty good performances down the stretch, and you know maybe not necessarily was the guy all year, but really starting to play well. And I think if you're a, a receiver coming out of high school, five star guy. And you're saying I get a couple years of you know JJ McCarthy and you know I get you know a chance to go play with him and you know he's shown that he can perform at the high level and you know you get a good defense to maybe make it to where you don't have to score you know 40 or 50 points every game just to win. I, I'd sign up for that. I'd get exposure. Uh, again, it's one of the biggest schools, biggest programs as far as you know reach and, and you know TV deals and everything else. I mean, they're always on TV. So I I don't know what else you want for Michigan. So I, I think those those banners to go maybe show some high school guys, maybe get a little bit up in their face. I don't know if it's a failure on their recruiting staff to go out and actually talk to guys, but whatever it is, we got to fix this thing. So I think the the first place to start is a massive sign, maybe a billboard. You can't put a billboard up in a stadium, right? But a massive run on sign facing the players so they can at least think about it a little bit and say, Hey, maybe I should go play in Michigan.
2: Yeah. Or maybe a helicopter. Maybe they need a swag. You can do a helicopter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like a God. plane dragging a banner or something. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Sumlin and the swag copter coming to oh, man. Michigan. Jeez. All right, guys. Well, uh, Trey, fantastic idea. Thank you for quarterbacking this. Uh, I think this was a whole lot of fun. We're excited to continue to see how this offseason progresses. Obviously, national signing day, the period is not over. We've got late signing day. So transfer portal, more will be going on there. It seems like all coaches are kind of expecting a whole new wave of transfers after the bowl season is over and before spring ball. So, you know, we're we're going to be covering this thing from from stem to stern. But fun to focus on on nine programs and uh, in 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 the spirit of of holiday, uh, given given them some gifts that we think will uh, will make them better teams and and uh, better coaches, if you will. So, uh, guys. Any any last last words, last holiday greetings, well wishes before we get out of here?
2: Stay safe this week. Uh, it's going to get pretty chilly if you're out and traveling, but yeah, just 3Tech fam, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for being us with us throughout this journey we've had this first year and just wishing you guys a very merry Christmas, happy holiday season, and hope you get some good time with your loved ones.
1: Yeah, couldn't say it better myself, Trey. It's been a fantastic year. We've really appreciated all the support, the love, the, the coming over and following us on everything and on YouTube and everything else. It's been awesome for us. I know that this has been a lot of fun on my side, and I know for you guys too. You guys have had a blast doing this. So uh, we're pumped. We're excited. We're we're grateful for everything, and uh, we hope you guys have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and uh, you know we'll see you back here pretty close to New Year. That's
0: right. After Christmas. Again, there will be a one-episode break. We'll talk to you in the middle of next week. Like the guys said, have a very safe, happy, and Merry Christmas. It is the coldest winter Christmas season, I believe, in 40 years. So stay safe out there and uh, enjoy the time with family and loved ones. For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason, wishing you guys a Merry Christmas. Until next time, so long, everybody.